The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Dr. Betty DeLass with us. She is a world-class pelvic health expert, and she's a physical therapist by, by trade and has helped thousands of people through her career feel better and move better. Um, I know you're going to tell me that uh, all of the damage that happens during childbirth is not, quote, normal, right? That you can repair and recover, right? <laughs> correct. Correct. She, she lives in South Jordan, Utah with her family, and she believes that we're meant to live life to the fullest. And she wants that for everyone. She and her company are devoted to offering the best, most individualized pelvic health, physical therapy for preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. She emphasizes reducing reducing musculoskeletal and neuromuscular pain and dysfunction, restoring and reintroducing movement patterns and exercise, and in assisting her clients to reach their personal goals in health and wellness. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Got all of the questions about, and we've talked about pelvic floor on this episode or on this podcast before, but I think that um, you can just never talk about it enough because the pregnancy lasts nine months. Great. And we have all the questions about pregnancy, but pelvic floor issues can last the rest of your life. If they're not totally corrected, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So first thing I want to ask you is, um, true or false, um, Kegels help prepare you not to tear. False. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> oh, and by the so, way, I, she did not feed me these questions. These are my actual only <laughs> questions. So Kegels are in essence, a contraction of the pelvic floor. And so having a strong pelvic floor, um, you also need to have a mobile pelvic floor and the pelvic floor actually needs to get out of the way. And so almost a reverse Kegel when you're giving birth, um, the uterus pushes your baby out, not your pelvic floor. So we want to make sure your pelvic floor can lengthen and get out of the way and not necessarily Kegel and squeeze up and contract when you're giving birth. So, okay. Mm and does it, but it, does it help if you've done your Kegels, does it help the healing? Um, not necessarily. So I didn't go to school and neither did any other physical therapist to prescribe Kegels because it's way more complex than that. If it was that simple, we like, that would be a, the cure-all for everything. And Kegels simply is not the cure-all. We're a much more complex um, being in general. And so we need to look outside the pelvis just as much as we look inside the pelvis to make sure we're getting to the underlying why of what's going on and what's causing those symptoms and what we need to do to really resolve what's happening. Um, so Kegels are not the answer is the, sh is the short one on that one. Okay, cool. And let me go back up a little bit. Um, what is a Kegel? What is the actual yeah. definition of a Kegel? Yeah, the Kegel is a pelvic floor muscle contraction. So I'll even demonstrate it with my hands. So if this is your pelvic floor sitting at the base of your pelvis, when you contract and squeeze up, thinking about like stopping the flow of urine or holding a fart in, that's a Kegel. And then that relaxation is okay. the other side. Yeah. So stopping the flow of urine, that is the, the muscle that we're talking about. Because when I, mm -hmm. when people have taught or talked about Kegels, they talk about like clenching down there, but that feels different than stopping yeah. the flow of urine. It's a different muscle. Correct. Yep. So stopping the flow of urine. Another analogy I like to use is like picking up a blueberry 
and then setting it back down like with your vagina and then also taking your tailbone and your pubic bone and bringing them together and then apart those are other ways to kind of visualize and conceptualize what is a kegel and am i activating those muscles so is the way uh so is there any use for a kegel i know we're gonna start basic i'm just gonna get the kegel yeah. thing out of the way yeah um there's definitely use for a kegel a lot of times if you're gonna cough or sneeze or or something like that where there's a lot of inner abdominal pressure like we we should kegel against that to to not have you leak, but we want to make sure that your pelvic floor can contract and relax depending on the loads that your body is doing. So whether you're jumping, running, lifting, picking up a kid to put them in a car seat, your pelvic floor has to adjust um, temperamentally through that so that it can control what's happening in your body. Okay. So doing Kegels is helpful to avoid incontinence, but it's probably only just a small part of it, right? very small part of it. So typically, typically I don't necessarily prescribe a lot of Kegels in general. Like I want to make sure people know how to Kegel and not Kegel. But the only time I really prescribe Kegels myself is if there's actually true muscle weakness and they Mm -hmm. need to like strengthen. A lot of times it's the opposite of that. People are too strong and they're over tight. And so we have to work on the opposite of it, relaxing or or down training some other, other area of the body. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I want to go really personal, not in our, in your life, personal, but in everybody's <laughs> vagina personal. Um, yeah. there are so it is kind of hard to know what's going on down there or what muscles you're activating or what, where you should, I know. Okay. For example, when I've been at births, uh, the midwife will stick her hand in the woman's vagina and say, push my fingers out. And women will often say that was really helpful. Cause I didn't know where to push. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost yeah. often that we don't even understand our own anatomy or anything down there to really understand. So if somebody says the Kegel and I've never heard it explained the way you did, but that would have been helpful about 30 years ago, right? <laughs> right. But so what are some of the things like, can you just like take us back to pretend we're all 12 year old, okay, maybe 16 year old girls. And you want us to understand our bodies and how to really understand what's going on down there. Like lead us through a, maybe this isn't um, a good episode for small children in the car guys. So if you're listening to this now, maybe this is a good time to switch to a different episode, but um, kind of guy, like walk us through learning about our bodies and what muscles we have going on down there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think the first step of that is even just like pulling up pictures on good old Google of saying, okay, pelvic floor muscles and familiarizing yourself with, okay, what are the muscles down there and what do they look like and where are they and how many are there? Cause a lot of times people are shocked, even when they come to see me in clinic, I'm like, okay, here's your pelvic floor. And here are you know, the three layers to the pelvic floor, because there's actually three layers of muscles down there. And then here's the first layer, second layer, third layer. And they're like jaw drop, like, oh my gosh, there's that many muscles down there. And so just even recognizing like, oh, here's what the pelvis looks like. Here's where the muscles are. What, what are all the openings down there? So I think it's really important, even from like little kid standpoint. So like my three-year-old, for example, knows like, all the parts of her body, just because I like to, I want her to know and be educated in that. And so um, teaching them at a young age, whenever it's appropriate to kind of know, okay, here's your urethra where your pee comes out and here's your vagina where the, the hole is and where the baby comes out or where you menstruate. Um, then here's your rectum where your poop comes out. And so she knows those things already as a three-year-old. Um, and some of that can just be, you know, the, how were you brought up and where, how did mm-hmm. you, what did you call those things and all that stuff like that. So I think the earlier, the better, um, age appropriate, of course. And then, um, so seeing the anatomy like on a model and then just taking a mirror down there and exploring yourself to be like, okay, what is this part? And what is that part? Oh, there it is, you know, and doing some self-exploration. I think too, 
just getting in tune with your body overall, because from a pelvic health standpoint, your pelvis is part of your system. It's really the grand central station of energy exchange. And so you need to know what's happening from a breathing perspective and from your glutes and like abs and all this other stuff that's around it. So just really figuring out, okay, do I know where those parts of my body are? Where are my glutes? Where are my hamstrings, my quads, my adductors, my hip flexors, um, diaphragm? Yeah. Okay, so you're saying, but what so you like, just I'm said, going you bigger. Said, yeah, no, I love it. So what you just said, though, it just kind of hit me realization. You said that it's basically the, the crux of what all these other systems and it, it like kind of mm-hmm. centers on the pelvic floor. And um, so if you are feeling unrooted or if you're feeling frantic in your body, that could be actually a, just needing to just center your pelvic area and everything else goes into alignment. Yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes I see a lot of people that I co-treat with chiropractors as well, where they're, you know, they go to the chiropractor all the time and they're like, Oh, you're out of alignment. Oh, you're out of alignment. Oh, you're out of alignment. And then when they work um, specifically either with me or someone else who does very similar things to me, they all of a sudden are like, Oh, why are you not out of alignment anymore? Cause we're actually addressing some of that root cause of what's happening in the pelvis and outside of the pelvis and how that goes up and down the chain. So yeah. it's, it's definitely in the pelvis and outside of the pelvis. It's not one or the other. So, um, if you haven't had a baby, then can you have pelvic floor damage or does pelvic floor damage basically only happen after you've had a baby or no, any, anyone can have a have pelvic floor dysfunction. So even, even men, they have pelvis, pelvic floors too. They only have two less muscles than women do. Um, so from that perspective, there's a ton, um, really our field is very niched down in many, uh, many areas. So obviously so I specialize in owners of a vagina and then there's people who do everything. <laughs> there's people who do male and ch- transgender or gender reassignment, oncology, pediatrics. Um, and the list goes on for, you know, sexual trauma. Like there's all different sorts of niche areas within pelvic health itself. And so just knowing that from a, from a perspective, and then, um, I see tons of women and that's kind of why I specialize in that preconception pregnancy, postpartum phases of life because there's a lot of things preconception wise that can either be causing musculoskeletal pain or low back pain hip pain pubic pain all that stuff in pregnancy that could be addressed earlier on from a system standpoint to optimize that whole through that whole span um and then also there's a lot of people too that you know if and this is something even going back to earlier too like if you have a daughter or someone that you know like is having trouble getting a tampon in or a menstrual cup or something like that it's like oh well you can actually do pelvic floor rehab for that and, and improve that quality of your life so that you can go ahead and do those things. Um, and then also big picture wise, if you think about it from like childhood and early intervention, Mm -hmm. if we were to do that from a musculoskeletal standpoint, we would probably have better outcomes later, just like we do with childhood. And then same thing from a, like, prehab, if you will. So if you do prehab before you have knee surgery or shoulder surgery, you, we are, we know with research that you have better outcomes than someone who didn't do rehab before. Mm -hmm. Um, so why would, why wouldn't we apply that to the pelvic floor? Yeah. Why wouldn't we apply that to prehab? Yep. So cool though. I just feel like we're so reactive, uh, Mm -hmm. in our culture. Like we get, uh, we get an owie and then we like, Oh no, let's fix the owie. Instead of going, how did we put ourselves into the position mm-hmm. to get that way. Sorry, I have a little totally kids, so we're talking yeah, about totally. movies. So totally. what is um what is a pelvic floor therapy session like? Like what does yeah. you undress? It, Are you using models? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll kind of walk you through the standard. Um so you fill out 
obviously some forms ahead of time, consent forms, and then your medical history. We go through that extensively in detail. We ask all the TMI questions. So too much information is not a thing in our clinics. Um, we ask about poopy, sex, and like how many times you go to the bathroom and does it hurt with initial penetration, deep penetration afterwards? Do you have prolapse at this time, that time? What does your poop look like? Like we're asking all sorts of things like that. Um, and then after we get that detailed history, um, we dive into a full body movement analysis of how are you moving as a person? How do you bend forward in all different directions, squat, balance, and any other activities that you um, do or have problems with, whether that's jumping or running or CrossFit, uh, climbing, whatever it would be. And then we'll dive into each individual body part, looking at the spine, the rib cage, the abdomen, the hips, the pelvis, pubic bone, SI joints, um, mobility, length, tension, relationship of everything, strength. And then we'll do an internal exam. So the internal exam looks like, um, kind of feels like a OBGYN or a midwife exam, only we're not doing anything that they're looking, doing. We're doing things from a PT perspective, looking at range of motion, strength, coordination, um, endurance. Is there any trigger points or tender points? And what is there prolapse? And how's the pressure management of the system? Um, and really piecing that mac big macro level of whole body movement into the micro specifics of ligaments, joints, tendons, nerves, and what's all happening. Wow. So that really, really <laughs> sharp pain that I used to feel for like 15 years when I sneezed, that would have been, that would have come up in your, mm -hmm. kind of, you would have been like, instead of the chiropractor taking a stab at it 15 years later, you would have like yeah. helped figure that out up front. Yep. Yep. And so based on mm. all that stuff that we would do, we would do a ton of other, so we can do both vaginal and rectal um, exams, depending on what's going on. Most of the time I try to do both with my patients, but not typically the first day, usually first vaginally. And then if there's things that are going on the backside of the pelvic floor, because the pelvic floor actually sits like this, there's a front triangle and a back triangle. And so one canal, you can reach better on some muscles versus the other canal. Um, so for us, it's just another canal <laughs> um, to reach muscles. It doesn't really matter to us. I feel like- I love how you're talking about it. Just keep talking about it. It's like just, it's nonchalant, like, yep. Yeah, it's no big deal. It's an access point. You have two access it's points. Just, <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. So, and then from a treatment standpoint, we will address things from breathing mechanics, spine mobility. Um, if your hip hips are tight or your adductors, your inner thigh muscles are tight. Um, I do a bunch of different treatment um, tools with that. So whether it's using instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization. So like the scraping people are used to hearing um, dry needling. I do that as well, which takes an acupuncture needle into the trigger point to elicit a twitch response to get that muscle to let go and relax and kind of restore function there. Mm -hmm. um, probably one of probably one of my favorite tools to use. Um, myofascial release, cupping, and then a lot of um, what we call neuromuscular reeducation, which is getting you to fire and activate muscles at certain times. Think about it as like the band concert playing at the right time and like hearing the trumpet when the trumpet is supposed to be playing and not the, you know, some other instrument. Um, mm -hmm. and so really making sure that whole system is, is moving appropriately for the demands that you're placing on it. So whether you're lifting your kid up to put them in a car seat, or you're getting off the ground in a lunge position, or you're having to move a heavy box or you're jumping rope and CrossFit, like whatever you're coming to us for, we'll make that task task specific so that, um, we're addressing those things from a, a movement perspective and an activation pattern, and then addressing the things that aren't moving well so that you can get into those positions and be able to activate those things. So wow. there's a ton of things we do. <laughs> that is really fascinating. Okay. So most of the time, I think you don't go to a, um, a pelvic floor specialist, unless you're like incontinent or you're in dire pain. 
Um, right. But from what you just said, there's a lot of other things that mm-hmm. you could go visit for. So can you just yeah. run through the things because, you know, there's a scale. Sure. Americans like to go big or yeah. go home, right? It's like you're either dying right. or you're perfectly fine. And that middle thing, nobody knows anything about, right? So what are some right. of like the small, almost, almost easy to miss signs that you have yeah. something funky going on? So yeah, I'll kind of start big and broad and like go a little bit smaller. So anything from like diastasis recti where your abs have separated, low back pain, hip pain, SI joint pain, tailbone pain, pubic pain, incontinence, whether it's urinary or fecal, um, fecal smearing where you're having to like constantly wipe, hemorrhoids, um, constipation, um, pain with intercourse, uh, basically pain anywhere. See some of those things like, um, hemorrhoids or pain with intercourse, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it's a pelvic floor thing. You would think it totally is. mm, Okay. Keep going. Yep. Yep. Tailbone pain. Um, even sometimes I've actually, this is quite an interesting story. I've treated a woman who has been seen by multiple physical therapists, multiple chiropractors, podiatrists, like all this stuff for bilateral plantar fasciitis, which is the bottom of your feet. Like hurts to walk. Um, and she came in to see me and everyone had done like the standard typical care that you would for plantar fasciitis. And I was like, well, all you've done that already and none of it works. So I'm going to look elsewhere. And so I went back up to her back and her hips and her pelvis. And it turned out that's where her pain was generating from. It was starting up further in the chain. And so we addressed those things. And within two, two, three sessions, her pain was gone in her feet, which she had been dealing with for years. Um, so it can really be even in the feet or the jaw. A lot of times we'll see. Yeah. or the jaw. Okay. So Mm -hmm. when you say it's the heart, it really is because Mm -hmm. chiropractors are like, your structure is the most important, but you're saying the root of everything we stand for (laughs) and all of our movement. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. It's the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And it's not just those Kegels, man. That's so, so adorable that people, (laughs) I wouldn't say that was me 20 minutes ago that thought physical therapy was just Kegels. Just kidding. (laughs) But that's so amazing. Okay. So even an alignment in the pelvic yeah. region can kind of throw off your, mm-hmm. your stuff all the way up to, to then result in jaw pain. Yeah. So I'll elaborate on that a little bit more, if you don't mind. Um, there's a, a fascial line. So I don't know if people are familiar with fascia. It's kind of like that spider webby, like material throughout your body that kind of encases everything. Yeah, actually, so if you depress yeah. a little bit more on that too, yeah. because I don't yeah. think I've ever talked about that. T- tell us more about fascia? what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fascia is basically you are a whole fascial being and you have multiple compartments. The medical system in general sees us as like, oh, you're a knee, you're a hip, your shoulder, your heart, your lungs, but really you're a fascial system. And so fascia, if you think of an orange, um, this, the skin of the orange is like the skin on your body and you peel the skin off and then you have fascia underneath, which is like, you can see all that white stuff. Right. And then you can peel the orange pieces apart and that's fascia holding the muscles together. And then if you take a muscle or an orange slice and break it in half, you see other smaller fascicles, right. Of little Whoa, things. That's the best way I've mm-hmm. ever heard it described. That's cool. <laughs> and so that's basically you and without it, you'd be a blob on the floor. And so if you even just Google, yeah, you'd be orange juice. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Um, you, if you Google the deep frontal fascia line, it literally goes and they can, they've dissected it out of cadavers where it's like, you literally can keep it intact. Um, is literally goes from the side of your head to your jaw, to your neck, to your rib cage, to your diaphragm, to your hip flexors and low back, to your oh pelvic floor, to your adductors, to your calves, to your feet. And so very commonly we'll see people that have 
um, multiple things, especially with chronic pain, um, jaw pain and foot pain and pelvic pain. And we'll address up and down that chain. And then all of a sudden, those, all those things start resolving themselves. And so when people talk, even in birth, they're like, oh, just relax your jaw. That'll help your pelvic floor. There's actually some science behind that. So like if your jaw is tight, mm. your pelvic floor is usually tight because it's one full chain. And so if you think of that as like a rope, right? If you pull a rope and you try and stretch in the middle, you can't stretch in the middle. So you have to work on some of the ends first to then get looser and then have more movement in the middle. Um, so that's how I kind of like to describe the patients a little bit. That is so cool. Okay. So I want to <laughs> remind myself to ask you later then yeah. some of those things we could bring into labor and pregnancy to kind of help yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. that, sorry, that was a digression from a digression. What was the original digression? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were talking about the I jaw. And, yeah. I was talking about yeah. the jaw. Okay. You were going to okay, tell us so, more, like how the jaw. Yeah. So that, that, that fascial line. So the jaw is connected in that fascial line is what I was con- trying to connect with that. Wow. So yeah. So really everything so, in the body is connected. So can you get <laughs> ear infections if your pelvic floor is out? Well, ear infections are different than, <laughs> okay, I just than that. Yeah. <laughs> I fixed you. Yeah. I got us. Okay. Got yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, you already talked about how, um, this is different than a midwifery exam and tell me like, cause some midwives, OBs, they will say that they can tell you certain things by an internal exam, but they're basically, they don't, they're not feeling for what you're feeling for. So it, Yes and no. So like some, some practitioners are, are very qualified or very skilled in like, oh, this is, you know, you're tight here. Or you don't have some restriction here. And they're really good at referring out to rehab providers as a midwife or an OB. Could you go do some of the training that I've done? Yes. It's in your scope of practice, but most of them don't because they're doing other things. Got it. Yeah. Um, so just getting to the right person who has that skilled um, care from a rehab perspective of muscles, ligaments, bones, tendons, nerves, joints, that kind of stuff, which very much in our wheelhouse as PTs, most of us are PTs, but you can be a chiro- some chiropractors do it. Some OTs do it. Um, that would be like the next most common. And then very few like midwives and stuff like that have done some of the training that someone like myself would have done. Um, so they can definitely screen, um, but there, there's not enough, even, um, kind of like the, the conception of, of Kegels of, OBs and midwives still don't necessarily have a full understanding of what we do as PTs, as practitioners to help the patients. Um, so it's just more of just more educating. We are all around of like, what do you do and what do I do and how do we do it differently? And just having, having those open dialogues and conversations so that we can get those patients better. Um, cause especially usually if someone's like, Oh, I don't know what to do with this person. I've tried everything. It's like, well, why don't you try another professional outside of your small little scope here to see if they have any ideas. And there's oftentimes that we do the same thing of like, we have to refer back and forth yeah, because we yeah. can only be so good at what we're good at. Mm-hmm. So if your midwife or OB says, Oh, there's nothing wrong. I felt inside. Then maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they don't know what they're feeling for. Yeah. Okay. Totally just it. All right. All right. Yeah. So why, how could physical uh, pelvic physical therapy help during, I'm going to go through the pregnancy phases. So during yeah. preconception. Yeah. So kind of like what you, we talked about with that deep frontal fascia line, this is good that we talked about it earlier. Um, a lot of times those adductors, the inner thigh muscles and your hip flexors are really tight and which can tighten the pelvic floor. And so a lot of times people will have trouble, um, with vaginal delivery or getting stuck or things like that, because that pelvic floor just can't let go because the hip flexors above and the adductors below are really tight. Um, so I've seen a lot of people with that. Um, and then 
just making sure like you're strong going into pregnancy, you know how to use your pelvic floor. You're optimizing that whole system of movement and well, getting pregnant pregnancy. is pretty exciting and very active, yeah. but can having yeah. a, a messed up pelvic floor, like create infertility or could mm-hmm. like, how does it affect? Yeah. You know, so like, does it change the position of your uterus and your tubes and um, potentially some changes from like a mechanical standpoint, but really if we back up even further and think like nervous system wise with fertility. So we have our two systems in our nervous system. We have sympathetic, which is fight, fight, freeze, run. There's a lion pain, right? Not a good environment to have a baby. And then we have parasympathetic, which is rest, digest, relax, no pain, no lion, great time to have a baby. And so from a system standpoint, if we can optimize that parasympathetic side of the system and get everything calmed down. So like, let's say you have endometriosis or you have um, chronic pelvic pain or low back pain, like that's creating a sympathetic drive in your system that could tell your body, oh, this is not a safe time to have a baby. So if there's any like, um, and there's definitely more research coming out on this, but for sure, pelvic PT should be on board if there's any kind of fertility, infertility things going on, because from a musculoskeletal standpoint, we can address a lot of that stuff Mm. that can um, get people to get over that edge, especially when they're doing all this other stuff and work up around that. I mean, obviously sometimes it's hormonal or things like that, but um, it's, it happens more often than to be coincidence in my practice of like, yeah, I've been trying to get pregnant and I have the C-section scar and it's, and it's so painful. And then they start working with me and then oh my gosh, you're pregnant. Weird. Not weird. Mm, right. Like, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things that we can do from a preconception standpoint. And then during pregnancy too, um, a lot of times pubic dis, um, synthesis dysfunction. So like, or, um, low back pain, SI joint pain, things like that. So we can do so much to optimize the system from a energy balance from a muscle standpoint to be like, okay, this is a little tight on this side and a little weak on this side. Let's loosen this and and strengthen and stabilize this. And then all of a sudden it's like my pain's gone. I have tons of women like that, where they're like hobbling around. And then a couple of sessions and they're like, my mom's telling me, I don't even look like I'm pregnant anymore. And I'm moving like crazy and I'm 40 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. I should be on the couch, not moving. And so if we can keep moms more active that we know that's really good. And for outcomes and baby's health and mom's health. Um, so that's why I'm so upstream focused on like preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, and that, those, that phase there, because it has that ripple effect even later in life too. So you mentioned earlier, um, that, that, uh, the, um, sorry, diastasis recti, recti, um, Mm -hmm. that that's part of the whole pelvic floor system. It's not just your stomach. So talk to me about, uh, diastasis during diastasis, so many different ways to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, During pregnancy, how can mm -hmm. physical therapy, well, first of all, why is it not an optimal thing? Cause everybody just assumes your muscles split and that's normal, but why is that not a great optimal thing? And how can physical therapy help during pregnancy to prevent that? Or can you prevent that? Great question. So it is a normal occurrence in pregnancy. Almost, I think it's 99.9 or hundred percent of people will have a diastasis of some kind. Your body's meant to do that at that, that site, right between your six pack muscles. It's called the linea alba. It's meant to separate, to accommodate baby, um, in there. So whether or not how much it separates and does it come back and things like that can depend on genetics, obviously. And then also what's, what's the rest of the canister look like? So, are, is your diaphragm moving well? So if you have your diaphragm on top, pelvic floor on the bottom, 
abs in the front and then low back. And it makes like a pop can, Mm -hmm. um, the baby only has room to go out. Right. So it's going to stretch there. But if you have a really tight, low back and no mobility back there, you're going to stretch more in the front because your body takes the path of least resistance and that's forward. And then, so if we can optimize mobility in the back and in the glute. Okay. So the people that carry like a torpedo, they're more Uh likely to have this diastasis recti. They they have a tighter back versus the people that carry like like barrel. I mean, I'm just like, okay, potentially coming in my mind, like how people. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like going back to, again, it's not just the diastasis recti. It's not just the Kegels. It's a whole system thing. I know, but I like to to simplify. I like, I know, (laughs) you know, I just think, Oh, that explains why this person at 11 weeks looks like she's six months. Right. If she's got a tight back, but a loose front, is that kind of what you're saying? Mm It could, like, so, it, oftentimes so that's what I see in practice. It's not always, right? There's always never, pregnancy. never and always there, are never options, but I mean, you're saying um, everybody most of the time there's anyway, usually a lot of back tightness, you, oblique tightness, can the you sides of the abs, your body so that and then um, pop back into position a lot easier? And just different things like um, that, so or they're, you're talking about they your work pre-hab. really hard on their core and they're super strong. That's the only area that I can go instead of being also mobile and strong. So just doing, I mean, just standard core exercises that are mobile too. It, multi to give it a go involved yeah. okay. full body core things really I like to always say like every exercise is a core exercise if you do it correctly except um, sit-ups <laughs> Wait, how about yeah sit-ups sit up, sit-ups sit probably not just because the baby is growing and it's hard to do that um type of thing and you want to make sure that you're not the pressure management that's happening so a lot of times people will talk about the doming of that diastasis you don't want to necessarily dome through that because you're just putting more force mm-hmm. through that so as long as you're able to pressure manage with Dome. breath. Is that what you're talking about? The pointy belly mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah where, where you flex like your muscles and it cut points. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that was, nobody yeah. told me that was going to happen after I gave birth. I was like, what? <laughs> I have what an alien this? body. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of things that didn't tell me at the baby shower. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So if, um, people don't have, um, okay, sorry, we jumped ahead of myself now to postpartum. So they yeah. have this diastasis recti, they have uh, pelvic floor trauma. A lot of times, what are some of the most common, um, uh, damages? I mean, you've got, you've got some, yeah. Okay. Tell me the most, <laughs> I'm trying to think too much into the question. I just want to hear about physical therapy and postpartum, because again, like a lot of people don't come until they are really, really in pain or really bad right. incontinence. So what are the, some of the things that you know, they need to come see you in postpartum for. Yeah. So from my perspective, personally, and a lot of, a lot of the profession is definitely being more vocal about this is if you think about it from any other rehab setting, right? Like if you were to sprain your ankle or have a knee surgery or something like that, like you wouldn't sit at home for six weeks and do nothing and then go to your doctor visit and be like, okay, you're good to go and do everything. And then all of a sudden go run or jump or lift weights. It's like we start rehab, like one week after two weeks after we have something and it's gentle and easy and reconnecting with the body. And so I just like to advocate for people to just start advocating for themselves of like, Hey, I want to actually take care of my pelvic floor, my core, my back after I've had a baby. Cause it's a huge musculoskeletal change that happens. Um, you're pregnant and then you're not pregnant you grew this thing for nine months plus. And then all of a sudden, okay, now I have this empty void in my body that 
my, and I have mom butt and don't know how to activate my glutes anymore. And so <laughs> same, same thing. She's using only thing. scientific terms on this podcast. It's a real thing. Yep. Yep. Um, so like if you have a knee surgery, the front of your leg doesn't work very well after surgery. And so you're like, I don't know how to fire that quad. I can't stand on my leg. It's going to give mm. out. The same thing happens with your core and your glutes and your pelvic floor, your muscles go, what just happened to me? I don't know what's going on. Um, and so those can kind of not optimally function. And so we can work on some of that stuff really early on so that you're set up as you're approaching six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks to be loading into those things and progressing through some exercises. So you're not just going from zero to 180 miles per hour. Um, and you're, you're building that foundation. And to be honest with you, when you're a mom, you have to lift a car seat, you have to do the laundry, you have to get groceries, like world yeah. doesn't stop. And mm-hmm. so if we can be a little bit more proactive about those things and really, um, get you focusing on your breath and how you're controlling that, activating your core, using your glutes, setting your body mechanics up for success and optimization. Through there that, are so that, things mm-hmm. you could do that would make it worse, right? Like I know you can, without being pregnant, you can give yourself a hernia if you're not lifting properly. Right. Mm -hmm. So after pregnancy, if you're not lifting right, or, you know, you're not, you're not dragging that screaming toddler the right Mm -hmm. way, then you could actually do more damage or just make it harder to heal. Both. I mean, either or, or, or nothing. I mean, it it just kind of depends on what you're doing, how you're doing it and things like that. But yeah, we just want to make sure we're getting those things set up for success in the future. Cause a lot of times people just jump back into things without really knowing where their body is in space. Um, and, and potentially do some more harm than good. Yeah. Okay. So, um, amazing people like you are actually not super easy to find. I mean, in this, mm-hmm. we actually, it happened, I just found out before we recorded, we are actually pretty close, uh, just one Metro area away. Um, and I, I only know of like three of you in the entire state and that there's like, more than that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. That's good to hear. But I mean, you're not everywhere. So how, mm-hmm. how do people, first of all, how would people search? Would they do pelvic floor specialist? How would, how would they not yeah. end up with somebody who's not qualified? How did yeah, they? Um, so there's, there's two major websites that I typically send people to, and that's www.pelvicrehab.com. And that's worldwide. And you can just type in like your area and location and uh, whoever is a pelvic floor rehab provider that's put themselves on that directory will pop up. And then um, www.pelvicguru.com is also another website. And then there's actually another one too, www.apta. I think it's backslash PT locator or something like that. Um, And you can can search to wherever people are locally to you. Um, a lot of times too, a lot of the like social media groups and Facebook groups, like mom's groups and stuff like that will often have common threads and stuff of like, Hey, I need a public floor PT. Who do you recommend? And people will pop up on that. You can Google search. Google's always good. Um, and just look, you know, locally around, ask your providers if they know of anyone. Um, so that's probably the best way. Are, are people, uh, like you usually on insurance, can they go through their insurance network or is this usually self-pay? Mm-hmm. Um, so typically this is how I like to respond to that. Cause there's a lot of kind of misconception around self-pay insurance. Do you take my insurance? All that stuff like that. So mo- most how I want to classify that more as like in network and out of network because mm-hmm. both, both take insurance. It's just, how do they take insurance? So the in-network providers bill your insurance company and the insurance company repays them where you're out of network people bill the patient, the patient pays them. 
and then we give the out of network gives the patient a receipt to submit to their insurance company. So it's just a different way to get funds and depending on what your benefits are, if you have in-network benefits or out of network benefits. So myself, I'm an out of network provider by choice um, because a lot of times insurance companies dictate how, how many visits, what's qualified for medical necessity, things like that. Um, and say like, oh, you only get three visits. And it's like, how do I fix someone who's had chronic pelvic pain for 30 years and three visits? Right. Uh, doesn't work. <laughs> um, and so, and then I also do home visits too. So I go to people's houses, especially during that postpartum time, because they don't, it's hard to get out of the house and, and yeah, do an hour appointment really cool. somewhere and drive somewhere. Um, so that allows me that flexibility. So I just give them the receipt, they submit it to their insurance company, and then they can get reimbursed themselves. So then I'm not waiting six months to 12 months to get reimbursements from an insurance company. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and if there's nobody locally or, um, or you can't, you don't have insurance and you can't, or you can't afford the out of, out of network, you just, there's financial issues. Are there, yeah. are there things that somebody can do at home to kind of help soothe, help self self-help before deciding yeah. that this is actually something that they need to go to see a totally no matter totally. what the cost yeah totally there's t- definitely like lots of programs out there obviously I believe that like in-person care is best care because we're going to be able to individualize it specifically to you because we're the expert at that right like we can kind of cut through all the forest to get to like okay this is what you need to do versus being like oh I think this is what I need to do and you try it um, but that, that's a, another reason why um, I actually am launching a online course for that reason in and of itself, because people ask me all the time, what can I do? I'm not local to you. What can I do? I can't get into CAPT for three months. I'm on the wait list. Like, what can I do at home on my own? And so I'm actually launching an online course um, called the Optimal Vagina beyond kegels <laughs> and oh, it's every- look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's um basically you know exactly what your market doesn't know don't you yeah. yep yep and then um basically anything I want my grandma my mom my sister my friends and my daughters to know about their pelvic health and wellness and it really has that breath of dives deeper into even some of the topics we talked about today of like um all those things that you can learn educationally from like me specifically as a public health provider, just educating kind of in a format like this, where talking about diastasis recti, I'm talking about prolapse, I'm talking about this. So you can start to educate and understand. I also do a little walkthrough of like how to do a self-assessment on yourself, um, an internal assessment and how to kind of gather some data so that you kind of know your body a little bit better. And then just all different types of things, movement patterns. Um, I have some bonus material in there on how to like foam roll and do some mobility drills. I have some kids stuff in there. Like I, I really had fun with it. So I'm really excited for that to actually come out um, because that'll give people an opportunity to really dive in and be like, okay, this is really what I need. Um, and that's kind of, kind of serving that dual purpose there to give people something to do at home on their own, own I love time it. in the comfort of their own home. And then wow. also prep them so that when they do get to someone, they're efficient and effective in what they're going to do with them. I love how I didn't even know you had a course and there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, people listening. Yeah. There you go. That's what you can yeah. do at home. I love it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So you've mentioned the course now tell us how we can contact you, how we can get ourselves in your office. Just, I know you're located yeah. in, in Salt Lake city, Utah. So even out mm-hmm. of towners, they can take the course um, yeah. anywhere, but yeah. Tell us all about how to contact so- you. 
Yeah. So, um, a couple of the, so the things that I'll offer is obviously the course and I have some free resources as well that are coming out and then you can work with me in person and my, any of my team as well. I have another therapist that's starting, um, in a few weeks and then, um, remote consultations. So we do that as kind of like, uh, health and wellness service in the sense that like, say you're somewhere and you're like, I don't know anyone, but I know this Betty girl and she, and she seems to know what she's talking about. So maybe she can help me find where I need to go. We do that to like, kind of help educate the patient and empower them and advocate for them of like, okay, these are the people you need to get on your team. This is how you contact them. These are the questions you need to ask based on what they're telling us about their story. Oh, um, just to that. kind of be like a, a health navigator for them. Oh, that's um, so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, I also do out of town programs. So I've had a couple people fly in to Salt Lake city and then they either do an Airbnb or a hotel. And then I, then I see them two hours a day for a week. Um, kind of an intensive program. And then they, with a, you know, home exercise program really robustly to go back and work on. And then if they need to, they can always fly back because I'm licensed here in Utah. So for me to fly to them, I'd have to get licensed there. Um, so it's almost easier for them to just be like, okay, I'm going to come here do a really intensive week, work from the hotel, whatever. Um, and then we can make that work too. So there's a lot of options through that. Um, so that's, those are ways you can work with my company, Reborn Public Health and Wellness. And then, um, the ways to get in contact with me would be website is www.rebornphw.com. And then I'm on social media platforms as Dr. Betty Delasty PT. So that's D-R-B-E-T-T-Y-D-E-L-A-S-S-D-P-T. I know that's a long handle, but. And we'll um, link so to that can... everywhere. We'll put it on the yeah. video. We'll link it. Yeah. yeah, that is a pretty long handle. That is so yeah. cool. I love how you're so accessible to everyone, even though you're, you know, you, you practice locally. That is, yeah, that is really um, refreshing. There's not very many people that have opened themselves up that, that wide. That's so cool. Yeah. It, it's so needed though, because it, there's, like you said, there's not very many of us. There's, it's a growing mm -hmm. field and we're getting more of us. So that's a good thing. Um, but we, the information that we have, like literally everyone needs to know this stuff. I think and <laughs> so. also, yeah, everyone needs to know, but also this is a really, really intimate subject. And it's mm -hmm. hard to call, first of all, it's hard to call the doctor and say the words like I have incontinence, can you help me? That's mm -hmm. really, really difficult, but to build trust. And I love how yeah. you created this way for even people not locally to kind of trust the profession before then mm -hmm. finding a provider, mm -hmm. right? Because yep, yep, basically, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, big things. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. And um, just in closing, is there anything like, is there any time you would call somebody a total lost cause that they can't heal their pelvic floor? Like they had pelvic trauma giving birth 50 years ago, they're in their seventies. Things are still, is there, is there a lost cause? Is there a point where you really can't heal? No, no, absolutely. You can always heal. Your body is so, so cool. Um, it's intricately, intricately made. And so it has the capacity to heal and, and heal itself. And sometimes it just needs a little communication and, and guidance on how to do that. And that's, I mean, that's basically what we specialize in. And so the oldest person I've worked with was 92 and in eight visits, she stopped peeing her pants. So anything's possible. Wow. Okay. And so, oh, sorry, one last question before. So <laughs> yeah. that just makes me wonder. So as you age, then typically women have more problems with incontinence and stuff. Is that just, mm -hmm. my assumption is that is just pelvic floor damage that was done earlier that then just gets worse and worse and worse, right? Yep. Which is why I, fo I focus where I focus. So when I first started public health, I was definitely in the like more menopausal 
age bracket, which they still need pelvic health as well. You have your pelvis. Your well, they're the life, ones lifespan, right? They're the ones most miserable about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, um, that's where I, it really got me. Like, I just got kept getting so angry because they'd come see me and they're like, how come you've done more for me in four or five visits than anyone's done in the last 15 years? And they'd be pretty, pretty angry about it. And I was like, you know what? I am, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm going to go back upstream here Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really kind of set the system up for success. And that's why I'm so passionate about that preconception pregnancy postpartum, because I think if we do that upfront work, we'll have less of that stuff downstream. Um, and people will be able to do things without peeing their pants and getting bladder sling surgeries and hysterectomies and all this other stuff that maybe they don't actually need if it would have been addressed sooner. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about bladder slings and surgery. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's do an episode two. Topic. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Physical therapy versus surgical mm-hmm. therapy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you so, so much. And again, we'll thank put you for links. having me. Yeah. And um, everybody, you can find the links at all everywhere we post this podcast and definitely reach out. This is, this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.